0: Hello and welcome to my Kids TV Nostalgia podcast. This is Jack's Throwback Attack. My name's Jack Hayward and thank you once again for joining me on what is my fourth series of this project. I can't believe it, honestly. When I first started, I didn't think I'd be getting this far. So thank you to everybody that's taken part and supported me over the last few years. Well, this fourth series features some really great guests and this edition is no exception because today I am chatting to a former CITV and CBBC presenter who not only did the continuity links, but also presented shows such as Eliminator, the Big Bang, The Makeshift, Ministry of Mayhem, and, of course, the fantastic Jungle Run. It's Michael Underwood. Hello. Hey, Jack. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yourself?
1: Yeah, you, do you know what? Really, really well, surprisingly, as, um, you know, it's been a very odd year. There is no doubt for most people. But, um, yeah, it's I'm surprisingly chirpy. I don't know why. You've caught me on a good day. <laughs>
0: good stuff. Well, hopefully that will shine through in this interview. We reminisce. <laughs> about uh, kids tv um now usually i like to start off with um what you were up to prior to the tv work but actually you did have some tv involvement at a young age in the form of being a contestant on the very first christmas kids special of the crystal maze when you were 15 um how did that come about
1: uh, it came about because i was watching a program on channel four Uh, called Early Bird, it was a children's programme, Channel 4 didn't really, they weren't really that well known for their children's programmes as such, but on a Sunday morning there was this show called Early Bird, it was like a bit of a magazine type show, and it was on there, and obviously because the Crystal Maze was on Channel 4, they were promoting the fact that they were going to do this very first edition for children at Christmas, and they were just really saying, if you're interested, uh, send your address to this and we'll send you out a, a form, it was almost like an application form, so I I did it. I spoke to my mum and I was like, Mum, I really want to do this. The crystal is awesome. I want to go on this. Um, and so we got this application form sent through, and you you filled it out, sent it back. And then bizarrely, I got a call to come and have this. It was, I can't remember, it was like a weird, I want to say like a travel lodge. It was a weird place that had a, quite a bland room. And I remember walking in there and there were there must have been 30, 40 children. And apparently they were doing these every day for the le- for two weeks, and they were just basically getting you to do puzzles and work with the children. They were seeing how you interacted with other children, and uh, yeah, and little did we know, obviously they were using that to sort of decide who was going to go on the show. And then I got a call, I got a call saying we'd love you to be a contestant, and not just a contestant. I ended up being the captain of uh, of this first ever edition of the Crystal Maze. So my mind was properly blown, and that was my first experience really of of television.
0: Great stuff and I absolutely love The Crystal Maze and um, Richard O'Brien has been a guest on this podcast before um, on the first series and he said that um, when they did that first Christmas episode something like 20,000 children applied for it so you're very lucky to get into the six that were picked for that episode.
1: Yes besides I had no idea it was that many but I'm not surprised I guess because it was I mean The Crystal Maze was hugely popular as you know massive massive show and um yeah, God, it's bizarre because because obviously when you're there and you're doing it, you just think you're going along, you're playing some games, and then they've asked you to go on the show. You don't back then because I was so you know I didn't know how television worked, so it was just like oh great, I'm in. I never for a second thought, wow, okay, so thousands of children went for this, and I've ended up getting it. I, it's funny, it never really crossed my mind. It's bizarre. And uh, what are
0: your memories of doing the Crystal
1: Maze? Oh, I ju- they they are incredible I mean Richard O'Brien was the loveliest man ever if you think about it I mean you can imagine for him I mean all the amazing stuff he's done over his career including that show and then income I mean I was the the eldest at 15 but I think the youngest was seven or eight. And, you know, have these children suddenly on this set running amok and, you know, being a bit giddy and all of that. He had the patience of a saint. And I remember him talking to us all the time, chatting to us even before the night before. We were all in the hotel and um, we're just downstairs with our parents. And he was there just sort of um, master of ceremonies, as you'd expect. And it was just brilliant. I just remember being completely in awe of him. You know, here I was stood and talking to this man that I'd watched on this legendary show. It was just it was amazing so that was the first sort of thing that hit me the next thing is the drive to the hotel a uh, drive from the hotel sorry to where it was filmed so it was filmed in a in an aircraft hangar called ace's high and i couldn't for the life of me tell you where it is right now without googling it but i just remember arriving and just like cuz i didn't for a second i had no idea that it was all set out as you would see it on the map so when that map is shown on the program that is how it's set out in the hangar So you genuinely are traveling from zone to zone and going through those tunnels. I mean, it's actually that part of it is a genuine, which for TV, which we know a lot of it is not what you imagine it's going to be. But it actually was as you saw it. So you felt like you were going into this amazing world of these incredible areas. And I remember just having a little walk around. Obviously, they wouldn't let you go through the game doors, but just walking around the outer ring of the set just being like my jaw dragging along the floor because it was like nothing i'd ever seen and obviously nothing i'd ever imagined watching the program on television it was just it's extraordinary
0: Absolutely. was an extraordinary show and uh, I agree with you on on Richard um, O'Brien because, like I say, he was on the podcast before and he's the only person I've interviewed face-to-face, which was his idea. He actually invited me to um, go down and see him. Um, He doesn't live in England anymore, lives in New Zealand, but um, he happened to be visiting at the time I'd emailed luckily um because i was just going to organize like a like you know like how we're talking over zoom or skype or something like that and yeah. um and he had the idea of, of me popping down to where he was and we we wow. had a good chat and he was he was lovely and he loved talking about crystal maze and uh, all the various things he's done as well you know when
1: you suddenly start talking about something and it all starts flooding back into your brain yeah. i just remember it being an incredible it was, it was long it was a lot i think we filmed for two days we filmed over a weekend in the end and it felt like lo- mean, it was about we must have done six hours a day. It must have been on this show because it would take so long to film because basically you do you would complete a game and then you would film the run to the area that you were going to, or to the next game door in that particular area. But then they had to move all of the cameras from the previous game into the next game. So, it only had a certain number of cameras, of course. And so you would wait, there'd be at least an hour and a half between each game when you played it. So it was really bizarre. And you'd end up just being taken to a room. We would just take you to a room full of like Haribo and drinks just to keep our energy levels up so that it was still buzzing throughout the whole thing. But I just remember it taking a very, very long time and being quite surprised at that. Because, again, of course, it was my first experience of television. So, you know, when you watch a show, you just think it's flying by and that's how it's done. But, of course, I realised very quickly it takes a lot longer than
0: that. Yes, from people who I've spoken to have worked on it, I think it took something like um, five to six weeks to do one series. So it was a long process. Um, Whereas I think now the new version that's been on in the last couple of years, they they tend to film two episodes in a day. Um, So it has changed a lot. It has changed a lot. I was watching the episode back um, last night just to refresh my memory. And the one thing that I saw towards the end is um, when you did the Crystal Dome, which, which was fantastic, I'm sure it was. Um, at the end of it, you actually didn't win, but they allowed you to have the prize anyway, um, which was a, a theme park trip to Paris.
1: Did you actually go there? You totally went there. Okay. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was the Asterix theme park. Um, I don't even know if that thing exists anymore. But it was—I um, mean, don't get me wrong. It was—it was a funny little theme park. But it was, um, in the sense of, it wasn't like, it wasn't Disney World. Do you know what I mean? But it was—it um, was just great fun. And we actually—it was the journey of going to Paris. And we got cool T-shirts with the theme park on. And we were all together, of course, just having a laugh. And we we're all just children, so we just had a great time having. And they bought everything for us. Didn't have to pay for anything. We weren't didn't queue for anything. It was a brilliant trip. It was absolutely brilliant.
0: Yes, and um, you seem to have some difficulty at one point. What was, what was the game now? The one where you've got to walk across the rickety bridge and feed the God oh, coins. No. No. <laughs> you didn't quite like walking across that bridge.
1: <laughs> Can I just say, I am still after... I probably should still be in counselling for that because I don't think I've ever recovered from it somewhat, nearly 30 years later. I, just the whole... Experience of not doing as well as I would have liked on that show. (laughs) I mean, okay, I didn't get locked in, but I wouldn't watch back that show and go, Do you know what? I'm really proud of how I did in that. That first game, the reason I was like that, and this is absolutely the, the truth from the horse's mouth, was that before I went to do it, the director came up to me and went, Listen, Michael, I just want to warn you about this first game. The bridge is very, let's just say anything could happen on that bridge. So you need to be really, really careful. Because you don't want to be falling in early on, and we have had people trapped in before. So, literally, that's going around in my head. So, that's why I was so tentative at the start of the game. And then it was only once I was uh, probably way too long into the game, I realized this is absolutely fine. You know, I could have absolutely bossed that game. In, in like 60 seconds in hindsight but I think just someone you know when a director who you absolutely again my first experience of TV I'm like wow he's helping me out thank you so much I'm going to be careful when actually of course he was doing it on purpose to create some drama and make it so that it wasn't as straightforward as it perhaps could have been so yes yeah that is the reason why unfortunately the rickety bridge and to this day I still you know if people ever talk about it they always talk about what was wrong with you you scared of water it was that sort of thing but there you go what can you do
0: I'm sure at the time though when it actually went out um you were probably the coolest kid at school I hope
1: (laughs) well um, yeah I mean it was I think they were people blown away by it because of course it was it was just like unbelievable to be in a show that was that that big at the time and sort of be able to have have a part in it and sort of experience it I think so yeah I can I think my friends were quite like wow you are so lucky um but it's funny, isn't it, how quickly they get used to it. And it's like, oh yeah, Michael's on the Crystal Maze. And they're over it. <laughs> it's gone. It's done.
0: Um but with the uh, with the crystal maze, um, just a couple more questions on that. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Um I, I saw this on Twitter and I've got to ask you about it. You've you've kept some souvenirs, haven't you? From I show?
1: absolutely have. I've got some I mean, I have got so what's have a look? Well, obviously I've got the crystal. It's still in its box in its original box. Um and it is absolutely, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a beautiful thing. And inside, if you sort of, but basically, if you imagine it, it, is the crystal that you would imagine. So it's mm-hmm. like the crystals you want. It's exactly the same, except they've sliced a bit off it so you can see through to the bottom of it. Yeah. And then at the bottom, it says, I cracked the crystal maze. And with me, it's obviously says 1991 on the bottom. So it's just, uh, I'm absolutely so proud of this. And funny enough, I did something for children in need a couple of years ago. I went. I can't remember exactly what it was. There were a couple of comedians and they were doing like a 24 hour stand up comedy routine for children in need or for comic relief. And um, they wanted people to come down and support them. So I came down and I brought this crystal down and people were going wild. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. They were just like, what? And it became a thing. that They were having their photos taken with the crystal. It was like and you, I think I forget that, you know, it was, they're a big deal. And actually to be able to have one after all these years, especially as, you know, the new series is up, but this is a no, an original one. I absolutely love it. So yes. So I've got my crystal, kept that. I've actually also got, and this is what I would get into trouble for back then. Um, but I took a gold and a silver token from the dome. So okay. I've got one of those. <laughs> I've got one each of those as well. Um And just to prove that's great, because it's to prove to people you can't, it's very difficult to tell the difference. So Mm. in a certain light, you can't tell which is gold and which is silver. So it's quite nice to have them both there. And I've got a signed photograph with uh, from Richard O'Brien, of course, just saying, well done, Captain. And Mm. so, yeah, I've got a few little bits and bobs that I've sort of kept. I love them. They're great keepsakes.
0: Fantastic. And um, do you still keep in touch with any of the other teammates that you were with on that episode?
1: Do you know what? We didn't for years and years. And then out of the blue, after I sort of started in children's television, and I guess it was easier to sort of contact me, if you like. Um, and then on Twitter, I did have Catherine. Um, she messaged and sort of said, hey, how are you? Well, how's it going? And she'd spoken to John, who was one of the other boys in it. And we never actually managed to arrange a time to meet up. But we did sort of say, how are you? How's life? And all of that. And she's like, oh, you're doing really well. So thank you. What are you up to? And it was just great to have a chat and to talk. So, Yes, we sort of have kept touch in some ways, but not not like uh, we're not close in that sense. But every now and again, we might message.
0: Good stuff. Well, um, from doing The Crystal Maze, is that
1: what sparked your interest in working in television? Do you know what? That is a great question. And I would have said at the time, no, I was so adamant I wanted to be an actor like from the age of like nine or ten i used to sort of perform in productions at the local theatre obviously at school but you know i was being paid i'm never getting paid a hundred pounds uh for a three-week stint in oliver at the local theatre i was in um, back in the mid 80s, but um, and acting was my thing, I loved it, it made me the happiest I've ever been in my life when I was acting and so that was the, the path, the route I wanted to take without a doubt and I remember not long after doing The Crystal Maze, having a conversation with my mum about I really want to go to RADA mum, that's where all the best actors go, if you can get into RADA you can get a career and it'll be brilliant and I remember my mum, bless her heart, we didn't have much money at all growing up, in fact we didn't have any money growing up, um, but she phoned them, she phoned Phoned Rada, and she said, "Hello, look, my son loves acting, and I was just trying to find out a few more details about your courses and and costs." Now, if you think this would have been like nineteen ninety, around ninety two, maybe something like that. So they said to my mum that the the teaching just for the teaching fees were seven thousand pounds a term, and of course you would need to find money for accommodation in London as well. So the, the fees alone in the early 90s, were £21,000. I mean, it was just never, ever going to happen. It was just incredible. So at that point, I needed to sort of think, well, what am I going to do? I still want to be an actor. And uh, my mum was a nursery nurse and my sister was a nursery nurse. And we just said, why don't you do teaching? Why don't you do teaching? Do Get a teaching degree, specialise in drama. Then you've got something just in case the acting doesn't work out. You can always do a postgrad actor's course after university and then just, you know, go for it and see how it works out. And that's what happened.
0: And one thing I have learned um, from um, speaking to various people on this podcast, it's always good to have a backup because television doesn't always, uh, you know, it isn't always permanent. And we'll get on to more about that later on. Um, So we'll move on to when you started into um, kids television. Now, I seem to remember, and you'll tell me the name of it because it's gone out of my head, but I seem to remember the way that you got into it was through a talent show on the television, I seem to remember.
1: Yeah, well, it was a Saturday night show called Whatever You Want... Um, and it was hosted by Gabby Roslin, who at the time was a huge, she was one of the biggest Saturday Night Stars on the BBC at the time. And this show was huge. And basically what it was, was that they'd have lots of different um, opportunities for people who wanted a dream. So it might be their dream job. It might be they wanted to own a Dalek or they might have wanted to appear in EastEnders or whatever that was. And then they'd have like three people who all want to have the same dream. And then they would vie for the winning the opportunity to have that dream come true. Uh, so that's really what it was. And the one that I sort of was in was the, to be a children's TV presenter, which sort of all happened by accident, to be honest. It was very odd how that came about, because actually before that, I'd sent in my stuff to go you know, into a blue Peter competition because um, Richard had just been sacked. Uh, Richard Bacon had just been sacked and they were looking for a new blue Peter presenter. Um, and so at the moment, I'd just graduated. I was um, working at a BBC radio station, just making cups of tea and answering the telephones, just earning a little bit of money because I wanted to start to save up for my postgrad actors course. And um, that's when I saw what my friends sort of said, "Hey, why don't you send a video in?" And it all sort of went from there. So I ended up sending a video in first. Too, the first video went to Whatever You Want, and the second video went to Blue Peter. And that's how it played out. And then so I just made these two videos after borrowing a camera from a DJ at the station, went to Marks and Spencer's, interviewed some people about what they were buying for Christmas, um, just trying to be funny, asking mums, asking children, asking everybody, and then sent these tapes off to two different places. Just, I don't know why I did it. I think it was partly because I was really encouraged by a couple of friends at the station who were like, you'd be great at this, you'd be great at this. And I was like, no, I want to be acting really. I don't really want to be doing presenting, but okay. And sent them off. And bizarrely, the first thing I got was the call from Blue Peter. So the Blue Peter thing happened first and they sort of said, oh, come to London, come on, audition for the show. It'd be great. And um, so I went to London, had a, an interview and then ended up being one of four people chosen for this Blue Peter job. And then they did a Blue Peter episode showing the four of us audition. And it was myself. It was Jake Humphrey, of course, is a BT sport now. Um, it was Simon Thomas, who obviously ended up getting the job and it was another guy and he I've gone no that's gonna that's gonna be bad now but I don't remember the fourth guy it will come back to me might have been Jacob I can't remember there's another guy anyway the four of us and uh, so I missed out on it and I wasn't so bothered I loved the fact I had the opportunity I loved auditioning for Blue Peter because again classic show and then just came back to my radio station and thought right just need to finish this job off and then I got a follow-up call now I don't know whether it was because they'd seen me doing the Blue Peter audition but they said oh look we'd like you to come on to this Saturday night show we think we think you'd be great why don't you come you want to be a children's tv presenter well sort of uh why don't you come on the show so I did um <laughs> auditioned live on this show the audience voted And I won a six week contract on CBBC. And that's where it all started. So it's a very long story.
0: No problem. Thank you for that. So the presenting job with CBBC um, actually lasted a bit longer than six weeks. It was a few years, wasn't it?
1: Well, three, three Three. years I did at the end at CBBC. So started in 19, April 99 and left in, so did 99, to 2000, 2000 and then left in 2001 it was so just completing my three years um yeah it's amazing I mean it was incredible really because it was only ever a six-week contract and to be honest at at first it always felt like I was only ever going to be there because I want to show so once that six weeks came to an end or came close to an end it was like oh well we're going to renew for another six weeks and then okay another six so it just went on in bits so I never really felt properly settled in that first year because it always felt like at any moment it was going to stop And that's that. Thank you very much. You've done your thing. Goodbye. Um, So it was only after that very first year that they offered me another year contract following it. And that's when I sort of felt a bit more secure. And I think then, you know, funnily enough, when I sort of see older clips, I feel like my confidence changed in that second year, because I just think, you know, when... When someone shows that supporting you, so when the CBBC sort of went, yes, we'd like you to stay for a year, and it wasn't that sort of piecemeal off of in that first year, I think it felt like I felt more comfortable, really, I think, and more settled. And I think it allowed me to grow much more uh, as a presenter at that point. Good stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, there are lots of clips on YouTube of everything that you've been in, um, which I'm sure must be quite bizarre um, to watch back, but I'm sure also lovely as well.
1: <laughs> it can be. There are some funny stuff. There is a lot of funny stuff on there. And there's also stuff where I'm like, OK, Wow, I managed to stay there for that long, and I was presenting like that. <laughs>
0: anyway, there you go, I suppose. Um, CBBC at that point. Um, was it from? Um, was it TC Nine, the one with the garden out the back? I seem to remember. That's
1: right. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was TC Nine.
0: Great stuff, and you presented alongside the likes of Emlyn the Gremlin, and also um, your now wife Angelica Bell as well.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, Angelica started what, a year after me. So if I started April '99, I think Angelica joined after slightly longer, so a year and a half after she started in 2000, Christmas 2000. And um, yeah, we presented together a lot at first. We went off on lots of trips together. Um, we went to I remember going to LA when I had a bit party in um, Hollywood Seven, you know, S Club 7's yes, TV show. Yes, I remember that. So I played a pizza delivery man in that. It was hilarious. And we did. We were doing a whole behind the scenes filming anyway. And so we flew to L.A. and that was an amazing time. That's when that's when Children's TV had budget and we were <laughs> getting to do some quite exciting stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And so I. that's when we first met. But we didn't get together then. We were just friends, really, at the time. I think she might have been seeing. So she was seeing someone else at the time. So we didn't get together for a good eight years after that. But um, we had a br- an absolute blast. That's for sure.
0: Great. Glad you enjoyed it. And I also remember as well, because, um, of course, you didn't just do the, the bits in between the programmes, you did um, your own shows as well. I remember on CBBC, and I'm not sure how many people remember this show, but I remember <clears throat> a show called The Makeshift that you did. I'm not, I
1: don't know if you... I, I bet you don't expect anyone to remember that
0: and bring that one up. On.
1: Well, I mean, that is good knowledge. That is very good knowledge. Yeah, The Makeshift was, yeah, so it was a make-and-do show. The reason I remember The Makeshift is because I had the most ridiculous haircuts for that series. <laughs> like twist. My hair was sort of like in twists. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was trying to, I don't know, trying to create some sort of identity of some sort. But um, it was a fun show. It was my first sort of proper show out of doing just presenting the links. And so I loved that part of it. And uh, actually it was quite a fun show. It was just like a fun, cool make and do show which were massively popular at the time. And this show was great fun. And I think I would have continued doing it had I not left Uh, the BBC or CBBC at the time. I think Steve Wilson stepped in after I left and went across to the other side. But um, no, it was a great show. I loved it.
0: Um, yeah, no, it's funny when you say about the ha- the hairstyles and that. The, 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 it, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it, but it is at the same time. And some of the fashions and, and the hairstyles, you're like, was that really a thing? Was that really a thing? Yeah, really a thing? <laughs> um, yeah absolutely. And um, when you were doing the, the bits in between the shows, um, were there any programmes that you really liked seeing? Although you were by that point too old to be watching kids TV, were there any shows on that you're like, oh, I'm I'm glad to be presenting that one today and linking that one. I quite like that show or something like that. That
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think look, whenever we presented, whenever we linked into Biker Grove, we loved but Bi- I mean, Biker Grove was great. The thing is that when the shows went out, we didn't watch them, we sort of had to watch them in the morning, so we had to watch all our tapes in the morning to make sure we knew what the content of the shows was. So we'd come in early and and get that done. So we would always, it'd always be the ones you really enjoyed, you'd watch first. So it'd be the, the Biker Groves or the Grange Hills. You know those sorts of shows. Miami Seven was a, you know, it was always fun watching that because we knew the S Club Seven guys so well. They'd been into the, the show so often that it was always funny seeing them sort of doing their stuff. Um, so I suppose they were probably the main shows. But otherwise, we'd have to watch it all. So I was watching, you know, I was watching Woody Woodpecker. I was watching Pingu. <laughs> I was watching you. Know, I was I had to sort of watch everything just to make sure I was across it. You know, our boss at the time was very adamant about making sure you watch the tapes.
0: I oh, know, and how many episodes of play days were there? You must have watched every single one. <laughs> wow.
1: A, a lot. A lot. It was relentless. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one mm, thing. Problems. When I first started there, mm. there was something that that happened that I've to this day never forgot, and I will never forget either. So, you know, obviously you make a few mistakes, it just happens and it's live. Because back then everything pretty much everything was live apart from um, the mornings the breakfast show was the only thing really pre-recorded and choice but that was over in Europe but you know everything else the afternoons were live you know the holiday mornings were always live and the Sundays were often live as well it was brilliant um, so it was a lot of live tv but it didn't mean that things would go wrong and I remember doing doing a live afternoon and introducing Grange Hill when it was Biker Grove so doesn't sound bad but at the time it felt like an absolute disaster so you know you'd be like now now on CBBC it's time for Grange Hill and it's Biker Grove I just remember cringing and I remember my producer coming in as the show was playing and she went Michael don't let it bother you I know you're feeling a bit silly about it don't it happens to all of us you know what you do it once and you will never do it again I went oh thank you so much anyway came the show finished and I back ref the wrong show again <laughs> I went there'll be more Grange Hill next week but it was Biker Grove I just couldn't believe it it was like the what I don't know it was just a shocker and I just remember looking up and the producer just looking at me and I just looked give me this slightly blank look and I just remember thinking oh wow wow if that hasn't just summed it up I'm not sure I'm going to be here much longer than six weeks. It was, uh, yeah, it was a, a classic mistake. And that's, but to that day, do you know what? After that point, I never introduced the wrong show again after that. I learned my lesson in the hard way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you did quite a
0: lot because there was there was the mornings, there was the afternoons, the holidays, like you say. And I remember watching BBC Choice as well. That that used to show all the really old shows on, like, a loop, didn't it? I remember that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. And it was very – this sounds like a, a thing you say, but it was actually apparently massive in Turkey. Like, it, they used to love it over there. They used to get a lot of – most of it would get exported over there. So um, had I gone to Turkey – in the late 90s, early 2000s, it would have been superstar status <laughs> based yes. on those links. But the thing about those links were they weren't that much fun to do. You would have like – I was doing – so In a, we would probably do it over a couple of hours, and I'd be doing 45 to 60 links. Wow. And they'd be between, like, five seconds and occasionally 10 seconds. So five-second links, and you think, oh, cool, that's easy. But honestly, it's so difficult to try and keep them different when you're doing, you know, 60 links – it was so nobody liked it. It was almost seen as a bit of a punishment at the time. Or if you were new, you would do it. So all the new people were sort of trained up, if you like, by being given CBBC Choice. Everyone yeah. that is, except Angelica. She was one of the only ones <laughs> that walked straight into the live afternoons. But everyone else, it was CBBC Choice. So it was my, I was doing that. And birthday cards. I became like a master of reading birthday cards. You know, you give me ten minutes, I'm going to get through a whole load of cards in an entertaining way. It became my thing, I think, reading out the birthday cards. But Yes, it's funny, isn't it? When you sort of see it at the time, there were some brilliant moments, but there were also those moments where you are like, "Oh, please don't give me choice again; I can't bear it."
0: <laughs> yes, I do remember. I used to watch it. It was uh, you just used to, it, it was looking back now as an adult, it's quite obviously it was all pre-recorded, and it was all all the links were very generic; like they didn't actually yes. reference the program at all. It was just this program's on next. This program's yes. on next. There was no. And I think real... I had
1: and I'd wear a I'd wear a choice T-shirt nine yeah. times out of that would say "CB" <laughs> just in case you weren't sure what you were watching. It would say it on my T-shirt, you know, just in (laughs) I
0: remember that bright yellow um, CBBC style yes yes memories and then um, so after after CBBC um, you jumped ship to CITV
1: Um, any particular reason why you decided to do that? Well do you know what Uh, it's an interesting story which I don't think I've ever spoken about why I left CBBC there was changes so basically I was just in my final year there were changes and a new boss came in to CBBC and this new boss had his ideas and he wanted to change stuff up as in a new boss of prez not a new boss of children's overall it was just the presentation department um and a new boss came in and he wanted to change things up again so I remember him calling me into his office and at the time I genuinely genuinely thought he was going to ask say look we're going to renew your contract and do another year it's quite I had no inkling at all of what was going to come so I walked into his office all smiles and cheery and he said the conversation went something along the lines of you know what it's been great having you here I think you've had a really good run um, but I think now it's time that you thought about where you want to go next and perhaps what you want to move on to and maybe think about where you're going to go from here literally like that and I remember just sat there and you know that thing when you're hearing bad news and you sort of zone out and it all like the voice of the other person sort of blurs a little bit and then you start getting sort of weird sort of flashy dots in your eyes and it, it was a it was a horrible horrible feeling and I remember just sort of being quite numb and getting up out of the chair and walking up out of the office thinking oh my god I'm not going to be here anymore I honestly thought I would be here for eight and I'm literally and I thought what right I was totally shocked and and it just came out of nowhere and so I remember going I think I might have gone to Angelica and I might have said Angelica I've just been to see uh, the new boss and he's I, he's told me he's not going to renew my contract Angelica was like well, why did he say why he said "Well, no he just thinks it's time for me to move on she was like, well, why don't you go and chat to the head of children's and see what they think? So I did. I booked an appointment with the head of children's. I went in and I said, I just want to let you know that I've just had this meeting with the new head of press and he's just told me that they're not going to renew my contracts. Have I done something wrong? And um, the head of children's went, well, no, I should I, be honest with you, Michael, this is the first I've heard of it. I, I didn't know that was that was happening. And this was just before Christmas just before Christmas and I was doing loads of live mornings over Christmas and I was like so I went oh and he went just leave it with me anyway we went did Christmas came back after Christmas and then the head of press called me back into his office after Christmas and said um Michael so do you know what you've done a fantastic job over Christmas and I'm really pleased with what I've seen and so you know we'd like to sort of talk to you about renewing your contract and at the time I just thought you know what I don't think I want to work for you anymore because you didn't want me three weeks ago and now obviously the head of children's has had a word and you're feeling like you're going to have to change your mind or whatever and I thought do you want to work for somebody who doesn't really want you there because at some point they're either going to give me all the rubbish things or they're going to make it clear they're not they don't like me I just it just didn't feel right and I guess it doesn't matter what job you're in if, if a new boss comes in and they don't like you and then suddenly they're saying oh no why don't you stay you've got to second guess it And so I started just making some inroads. I remember sending an email to the head of CITV and just said, listen, can I have a meeting? And she was like, yeah, come on in. Sat down with her, said, look, things aren't going forward at CBBC. I'm thinking of leaving. And she went, come to us. We'd love to have you. And literally on the spot, she said to me, we'll pay you this much. I'll guarantee you three shows in the first year. And I was like, brilliant. And that was it. I mean, that was it. That's all I needed to hear. And I thought, do you know what? Why do you want to work somewhere where you're wanted, don't you, I guess? And you don't want to work somewhere. As much as I love the BBC, I loved working for the BBC. And like Angelica, who's worked for the BBC for 20 years, I wish that had been me. I would love to have put that time in at the BBC. I love the organisation. And they. I learned so much there. They gave me that job. They they helped me. Through, you know, it's just brilliant. But it just wasn't to be. And so I'd left... And that's really, that's the absolute story of, of why I moved over to CITV
0: fair enough yes yeah, sometimes you you've you've got a you've got a jump um before you're pushed i suppose um i suppose well, that's the way to look yeah. at it yeah. and um but at the time um i mean i watched both but i was always more a citv watch i was a huge huge fan i watched it every day and at that point it came live from birmingham which um if you've not noticed my accent is not far from where <laughs> i live um, yes and um yeah i was a huge fan and um at the time that you joined, I remember that. And you presented alongside the likes of um, David Leon, Lee Morrison, and of course, Leah Charles-King as well, who's been on the podcast before. Um, so what was your memories of, of presenting
1: the links on CITV? Do you know what? They're all brilliant memories for a number of reasons. One, I was just welcomed with open arms. And it, it could have been so awkward because obviously i would spent three years working against them pretty much. Um, you know not literally but obviously we were the opposition we were on the other side and CBBC was a was a mammoth channel I mean it was extremely popular but there were shows on CITV that would worry the BBC you know the likes of My Parents Are Aliens um, you know even the early series of Jungle Run these shows were would threaten sort of like the key Flagship shows of children's BBC, so um, that was part of it, but yeah, but going over there, they they were just so welcoming. Even Stephen Mulhern at the time, who was obviously king of the castle at CITV Pres, then he had his own shows as well, but he was absolutely still running the show over there, was incredibly welcoming. And you know, it was just a lot of fun. It felt slightly more relaxed, if I'm going to be honest. You know, the BBC, um, was great, but it's sort of very protected, and maybe that's part of that whole. I don't know, that's like that BBC way as it was then, everything was very politically correct and very careful. And it felt like CITV just was a bit, I don't know, more, more relaxed, I'm going to say. It was just a little more relaxed. You know, it was Dick and Dom that really shook up the BBC when they were doing The Bungalow. Yeah. And that was very, because that The Bungalow, if you think about it, was very CITV. you can imagine that sort of show sitting really comfortably on it but what I think why it worked on the BBC was because it was so different Mm -hmm. and it was just brilliant fun and I think that's what shook things up but ITV for me or CITV was definitely more relaxed atmosphere and you were able to have quite a bit of fun even perhaps more fun and uh yeah I really enjoyed that and I was made to feel really welcome
0: great yeah I I was watching it regularly as I said and um yeah, I I feel like um, at that particular time because the C B B C was always uh, has always been the one that's um, been more popular and had like the high ratings and was like the stalwart, but I think that particular era, those couple of years when um, they they brought back the Invision Press on C I T V and they did it from Gas Street, I think for that short period of time. Um, they ruled the roost. I think they did a better job. It's just a shame that it it stopped um, in the mid
1: two thousands. But there we are. It's, it looked good yeah. though. It looked, looked good fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely was. What you saw was what. And that's you know, that's one of the biggest questions I'm always asked is you know why you why were children's TV why they were so smiley and so happy all the time? You know, that must be really annoying for you. I'll tell you the truth is it was just fun. You've got to remember we were 20 somethings having the time of our lives. You know, we were, we were, when the programs were on, we're laughing, we're joking. Just imagine when you were 20 something, what you would be like with your friends or your mates if you were just out and about and having a laugh. That's basically what we were doing, except we were on television and getting paid to have a laugh. So we were genuinely enjoying it. It was a, we were smiling because we were happy and because we were having a laugh and a joke and we'd go out and we'd have, go and have food, have some drinks together. It was just fun. It was a great time. And I think, And I think that just came across on screen. So it wasn't forced or false. We were genuinely having a good time.
0: Yeah, it really did. There was a clip that I shared on Twitter a while back, and I'll dig it out for you, um, that I'd found on a tape. Um, And it was from... It was from Christmas time, and it was the day when David and Lee Morrison were leaving their last day, because you oh, yeah. and you and Leah Charles King stayed on um, a bit longer. And there's this great bit because I remember sometimes when a show was was ending, you'd present over the credits like green screened onto the credits of a show sometimes, yeah. and uh, the the program that was on was Tiny Planets, which I absolutely loved. And um, when the credits are rolling and it was playing that theme tune, um, what was it now? To go, bing and bong, heroes of the universe. <laughs> See, I remember it. Um, you and you're do. all, like, bouncing about in front of the screen. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and pratting about.
1: <laughs> Pretty good. much, yes. that's exa- And that's what we were doing. That's <laughs> what we would do, just pratt about. Yeah. And have a, I mean, it was, if you think about it as well, think of the people. So David Leon and we had Tom. So do you remember Tom? I do, yes. So think about what those boys have done. So Tom went into Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And had that. Then he went into that huge show, which in that Legends, what was it? Oh, it's an American series. And he was in that for a couple of series as well. He had a huge career over there. And then, um, and David Leon, of course, ended up acting in Vera. He was like one of the main parts in the ITV drama Vera for the first three or four series. So it's so funny how they went from, you know. Doing, and I remember both of them being quite serious. So they were perhaps the more serious ones of the group, if you like. Mm-hmm. So for them, I think they were quite aware of the fact that, oh, my gosh, this is children's TV. This Is this really cool? I'm not sure it is. And they sort of had this secret urge to want to do something else. And um, yeah, it's amazing that they went on and had these great careers. And I think David Leon now is, is directing and doing all sorts.
0: Yeah, I can remember finding LA because I don't think either of them did appear on screen for quite some time and then all of a sudden turned up on these big shows. He's like, wow, what's happened in the last 10 years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not right. I know. Um, my mum likes watching Vera, and um, I was a couple of times I've walked past and stopped and gone. He was on CITV, don't you know? <laughs> Just yeah. walked yeah. past and casually done that. And uh, I, I like Doctor. I was. I, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who, so yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, and it was funny, really, because when that happened, there was all these news articles going. Did you know that Arthur Darville used to be a CITV presenter called <laughs> cool Tom? Tom? Yeah, and I was like, I've always known this, but it was like a big story one one day. Um, for some yeah. reason, all over the all over the website, all over the news, and that it was. Whereas I was. I was like i've always known that you know i just remember it um so when you were doing citv um yes you, you and leah were, were lucky enough to present the 20th anniversary birthday bash which i remember watching yes. i think it was on a saturday morning um talk about that that must have been really cool to do and you had lots of um people who'd
1: been on citv in the past in the studio as well yeah it was it was brilliant actually it was great fun just to have just to see those faces, just to talk to people who've been part of children's television when I was growing up and parts of shows I remember as a very young child. I mean, we had grot bags in. I mean, grot bags, bless her heart. May she rest in peace. But what an amazing woman who doesn't remember the pink windmill and emu and grot bags. It was just she was just brilliant and she reminded me of my childhood and so having her in the studio looking exactly like she did as I remembered her made me feel like I was six seven years old again so you know we had Matthew Kelly there and it was just it was just an amazing sort of lineup of people and just sort of reflecting on all of these years and and how long CRTV had actually been around you know remembering shows like Press Gang I mean Press Gang was massive nightmare I mean we're talking about all of these incredible shows and um, yes, yeah, so it was just wonderful to sort of go, do you know what, just reminding myself how lucky I was to be a part of that. And Leah and I just had the time of our lives. It was, it was just a, a brilliant experience.
0: Yeah, she did mention actually about the fact that because um, it was done in Birmingham at the time, and um, which is something mm. I'm very proud of. She was saying about how like you, you couldn't walk through Birmingham at the time without children recognising you and, and parents, it was quite cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was, because of course back then, you know TV was still basically not that many channels and so you were getting you've got to remember like so when when i was working on cbbc for example in those early years we were linking out of say blue peter at five thirty-five and into neighbors and at that point there was five to six million people watching and that is a huge number if you think now that the citv channel is probably getting a hundred thousand a few hundred thousand at best you know, then there was a lot of people watching the television. And so, yeah, you were sort of spotted an awful lot when you were out and about because just because of the sheer numbers that were seeing you every day, you were on their screens, whether you were doing holiday mornings, whether you're in the afternoons. You were on all the time. We were on nearly every single day of the week. So, yeah, and it was the same at CITV. You were doing so much and people were watching. So many people were watching back then because they didn't have the Cartoon Network and all of that business um, that suddenly you became, a, a, it was weird. You sort of couldn't go outside without people going, hey, you're off the tell of CITV, you know, well, you're from Jungle Run, you know, all of that. It was, but it was always lovely. It was always lovely. And of course it didn't help when Leah and I were together walking around Birmingham, because then you see, it makes it worse. It's almost like Angelica and I to this day, Angelica and I, when we are together, we normally get spotted a lot more because it's just so unusual for people to sort of realize. People sometimes don't even know we're together, that we're married. And we have children, you know, they just think that it's, oh, didn't you choose to work together? Yeah, we were married. What? Didn't Why? They find it quite difficult to comprehend that. But yeah, when you're in a group of people that you worked with, it definitely made the spotting a lot happen a lot more often. Cool. And I hope you like Birmingham. <laughs> I used to love Birmingham. I used to love it because I spent a lot of time there. You know, it was... Uh, it was great fun. And Leah, was, Leah had been there a lot more than I had, obviously. So she was showing me around all the sites and the best places to get a curry. And, mm. was, you know, it was great. Yeah, we had we had a wonderful time. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: um, so when you were doing CITV and you mentioned that they, they said that you could present some of your own shows as well. We'll go on to the main one in a bit. And I think you know which one I'm on about. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the one show that you did do that I really liked and I thought it should have ran longer was uh, Eliminator. I thought
1: that was fantastic. Oh, love that show. I loved that show. Um, it, it's just it was just a little bit different to anything else that had been around at the time. And I mean, yes. OK, the, the concept on paper is a little bit odd. When you, The idea that children are basically being going to be stolen. Should they lose, they get stolen by this scary looking character who basically looms behind them and follows them around a board. But um, it was great fun. It was great to film. I always got massively positive reactions about that show. People just loved it. Um, and the re- so it did two series. Do you know why it ended? Have no. a guess why you think it ended. Why do you think it ended? Um,
0: I, I mean, I know around that time, pretty much everything was was ended because I, I think it was because the the junk food ads were banned or something like that. That's what I've heard from a few people. Like the budget. Oh, let me were, tell you. The dropped. reason
1: Liminator ended was because the head of CITB. So the head of CITB changed. So after I joined, that lady had gone, and it was a new head. He didn't like Q and A game shows. Right. Okay. And I remember him telling me. Oh, yeah. As I said, oh, what's I said, look, what's happening? We're going to we're going to go into series three. We're going to do this. And he went. Nah. The thing is, Michael, I'm just not a fan of Q&A game shows for children. I just don't think they're into that. I think it's got to be something else. I think it feels a bit bit out of date and I don't really like it. So, no, I don't think we're going to bring that one back. I just remember being absolutely devastated because I don't think I met a single child that had seen that show that didn't like it. So if they'd seen it, they loved it because they loved the idea of being a bit scared. They loved the effects on it because it had great effects where they just didn't you know these children just appeared, literally seemed to disappear in front of your very eyes, which at the time was so you know great. Um, but yeah, I was really disappointed because I really enjoyed that show. I thought it was a really strong format that Endemol came up with. Um, simple, but it just worked really well.
0: It did, and I loved it. And um, a, a few friends down the years have asked me, said, "Oh, what was that game show with the scary man chasing them across the board?" So people <laughs> do remember it, and they did repeat them some years later as well on the CITV channel. Oh, did they? Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, about two thousand eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there. Wow. Um, is
1: there any? I'm wondering if there's any on YouTube. There is. Just... Is there?
0: there? Is. Okay. there's okay. loads.
1: There's loads. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it since I made it. Genuinely, okay. I have not seen an episode since I made it. I, I think I might have to dig one out and have a watch. I remember he um, changed as well Because The very first series um, and the
0: second series were quite different, um, and the eliminators changed as well. Like the first one had like this this long cloak on, and I I thought the costume was brilliant be great as a Halloween costume he had like long claws didn't he and uh, yeah and um, and then in the second series it changed to one that looked more like Predator Um, and uh, (laughs) it was more I I don't know the set changed as well I mean it was a lot more a lot more I don't know flashy I suppose is the word I don't
1: know (laughs) yeah he did look I'll be honest he did look more terrifying in series two than he did in series one they definitely they definitely upped it didn't they I think the fear factor went up
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, the, the one thing somebody mentioned in the comments somewhere, I think it was on YouTube, and I thought. My God, you are right. It is basically the same format. But somebody said, well, Eliminator is basically um the chase, if you think about it, because you're answering questions and moving down a board while somebody else is moving down it to try and catch you. Yeah,
1: it's true. Is it it's the look at that, it's the early version of the chase. Who knew? My gosh, it's yeah, it's very similar, isn't it, in that
0: way? It is. I don't know if you've ever watched the chase and thought
1: It seems similar. (laughs) Do you know what? I never have, but now you've mentioned it. There was that sort of, and I think, didn't they get to pick a, depending on the difficulty of the question as well, there was like they could go one, two or three spaces, couldn't they? It was something like that, I think, if I remember the format correctly.
0: Yes, yes. And then depending on what level is, how many steps Eliminator would move if it was level one, it was one, two, it was two and three, it was three. Um, Yeah, yeah. It was a good show. I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was a fun show. Good, good, good. And also remember you did The Big Bang as well for a while after Gareth left. Um, you took over it with with Kate McIntyre. Um, and they repeated right. that for years as well
1: on CITV Channel on the weekends, I remember. Um, was, yeah, I mean, that was a brilliant, that was a great format, of The Big Bang, wasn't it? It had been going for so many years before we sort of got involved. And we filmed it up in Leeds. And again, the team up there was so much fun. I always had so much fun working with the different teams on these shows. It's just something like working on a children's show where just people it's just different. People are just into it and up for a laugh and, you know, we're trying to sort of make it as fun and as light as possible. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Another make... So after the makeshift, I went to the Big Bang, so I had a little bit of experience with the make-and-do show. I remember watching one episode of the Big
0: Bang, and I don't know why I've got such a good memory of these things. I remember thinking, is this deliberate? Um, there was one episode where you made... Out of paper and and bits of uh, plastic sheeting, like a crystal dome of some kind. Um, I remember you making like some kind of crystal-shaped dome thing in the set, and I'm thinking,
1: have they done that deliberately? <laughs> because of what? Have you I would love it? to tell you that we did, but it probably no. I don't think. I think it was just pure coincidence. <laughs> a pure coincidence Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> um, and then as well as the Big Bang as well, um, Saturday mornings, Ministry of Mayhem. You did that for a bit. Um, what that's was it right. like doing a Saturday morning show? Because that's pretty much like the crowning glory of any, kid, any kid's TV presenter's career to do a live Saturday morning show.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that was exactly what you said. It's, uh, that's what you sort of are going for. That's what you you want to be doing. You want to be sort of getting to those Saturday morning shows. And and of course, look at look at the history of them. There were some huge ones, you know, where the Anton Deck was fronted from SMTV or with Dick and Dom in the Bungalow or for the BBC, which is the ones that obviously I was mostly into when I was younger. So the going live and live and kickings and all of that. That was just, it was the pinnacle of children's television. So It was amazing to sort of get a chance to be a part of a new format on a Saturday morning. So that was, yeah, i very, very excited about doing that.
0: Yes, it looked like good fun as well and uh, chaotic and very messy as well with the amount of gunge flying about. I guess you can't be a kids TV presenter and not get gunged occasionally and have pies in the face.
1: Oh yeah, it's a standard, right? That's that's just the standard rule of children's television. You have to get messy. Something has to go on. And that show, actually, I mean, mayhem. We I remember thinking at the time we were. Set, I remember the conversations we had before the show started was what we called the Ministry of Mayhem. So it's, we've got to make sure we have we are creating some sort of mayhem. So we don't just look like a weak show that's claiming to be mayhem, but actually there's not much going on. Which is why you know the ideas were quite out there. You know whether you had like Ray. The ram ray, where you're sort of throwing yes. him into doors and doing nonsense like that, or cakey skate, where you've got Holly dressed up as a French maid firing cakes off a skateboard into it, you know, just the most ridiculous yes. thing <laughs> you can imagine. But, um, that's it, was quite fun just sitting down and going, What should we do? and <laughs> see what's going to work. So, you know, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun that show.
0: Good, yeah. You do watch some of it, and you think, "Would you get away with that now?" I'm not too sure.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I think, I think the answer to that would probably be no. <laughs> I remember. I mean, I remember that one of the closest things I think when we skated really close to the edge on that show was when we had the. Do you remember we had the German scientist? Yes, the Doc. We would always do these sketches. Yeah, Doc. We do do these um these sketches with Stephen, and his his tagline was "That's fact." Um, as in, <laughs> that is a fact. But he would just say, "That's fact," and it would always come in and sound like he was saying something else. And that was uh, always close to the bone. In fact, that whole, whenever that sketch was on, you never knew exactly where it was going to go. Um, because the guy that played Doc was just brilliant and yeah. also with Steve and the pair of them were just dangerous
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing that looking back um, you don't realise like how, how much stuff was close to the knuckle and, and the double Tondras and stuff like that, you, you don't realise it at the time when you were watching it as a kid um, and then you're like, oh my god, how did they get away with that? <laughs> Um, it's right. When they did that documentary over Christmas, looking back at SMTV, I didn't realise
1: how much it really skated close to the knuckle. It was it was uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, they really pushed it. Which is, I mean, it's hilarious that they did, but it's just funny how... When we look back now, yeah. I think, OK!
0: <laughs> I also remember as well, there was an outtake that was on uh, It'll Be Alright on the Night, or, or those kind of shows, where um, Holly opened a door
1: and smacked you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> that looked really it's painful. Outtake, horrible properly smack me really hard. Basically these doors, um, were obviously not solid. So when you put your foot there, the, do- the top of the door would just bend. And that's basically what happened. So the, the gag was to make it look as if she hit me in the head by putting my foot there, bang the foot. And then it looks as if it's hit my head. But obviously the door is so weak and f- flexible that it hit my foot and just bent straight into my face and genuinely knocked me to the floor for a moment. I thought I was like, this is it done. I'm going to pass out on live television, but, uh, yeah, that clip still sort of creeps back in every now and again.
0: It does. I thought it was a genuine accident, actually. So you've taught me something there. I didn't know. it was. Oh, no, no, it was an accident. She wasn't oh. meant to hit me with it. Oh, it was okay. meant to
1: look like she hit me yeah. with it, but she did hit me with it. <laughs> you see okay.
0: what I mean? Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Fair the enough. gag went wrong. <laughs> um, so we'll move on then to the CITV show that you're probably best known for and the one that I've been dying to talk about for the last 40 minutes we've got there now um, so you presented Jongarun um, which was a fantastic show you were the third person to present it after Don, Don Wood and uh, Chris Jarvis but you did it for the longest time four series um, uh, it was an amazing show and, and also perfect for somebody who had been on the Crystal Maze prior to present that show because the, sh- the show was a little bit similar wasn't it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it was really similar. But do you know what? It nearly didn't happen, me getting that job. Because, again, the same the same guy who was like, I don't like Q&A shows, uh, so we're not going to renew Eliminator, also was the guy who said to me he didn't want me going for Jungle Run. Because uh, I remember going to his office and saying, I really want to do Jungle Run. I want to do Jungle Run because I knew Chris wasn't coming back. Um, and I just remember him saying to me, no. No, I just don't see you doing that. I don't see you doing that show, Michael. I just don't think it's you. I think, you know, the Jungle Guide has to be quite serious. You know, you're very smiley. You're very up. You're very upbeat and very happy. You know, you need to be. I just can't imagine. I said, listen, trust me, I can do this. I used to. I could. This is not. Let me at least audition for it and show you that I can do it. And he was like, fine. If you want to audition for it, fine. But I'm just letting you know now, you know, I'm not. You're not on my list of people I'm looking at. But if you want to audition for it, go and audition for it. So I went off and auditioned for it and just did, and and sort of, I I just went for it, basically. (laughs) I went for it, and I went for it totally differently. So I watched how Dom had done it in the early series, and obviously Dom's series was very different because it was super colourful, and they were collecting bananas, and it was a different type of show, and, you know, he was doing magic in between links, and it was all very, it was a very brightly coloured show, it was very different. And then when Chris came in, so that was, I think, series one and two... Then when Chris came in for series three and four they it became a little bit more serious so we lost the bananas we got the monkey statues in and became more of the show that you sort of are seeing now um and Chris again is quite upbeat in his delivery and it was very much I felt it was still very Chris which was great because Chris was huge uh, children's TV presenter but I thought I was gonna I was gonna always come at it slightly differently And I thought, okay, he thinks I'm too smiley for it. So I'm going to go in for the audition and I'm going to be a little bit more tough on it. So I'm not going to be as polite to the children. I'm going to give them a bit of a hard time. I'm going to be a bit like, come on, this is serious. Let's go like tongue in cheek, but still taking it seriously. Um, And that's how I did it. And I think it just won them over. I think they liked the fact it was a very different take on it. And they thought, let's roll the dice and give them a go. So, yeah, I had to work hard for that one, but it was worth it because, hands down, that is my favourite experience of all my years on children's television was doing that show.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. Um, And so do so many people. And it's so well remembered. Um, There's lots of episodes on YouTube and... um, people there's that many memes that go around about it there was one i saw recently it was just a picture of the of the monkey statue and it just said if you don't know what this is i don't want to know you or you're too or you're too young to know me um and then there was another one and it was a picture of like um the the the, the children getting trapped in the temple saying um you know um uh, respects paid to those still trapped in the temple of the jungle king, or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was a great show, and it was quite harsh, really, because if, if they lost, that they didn't get any prizes. There were actual genuine tears on the show, and like you say, you were sometimes did give them a, a bit of a telling off for doing rubbish. It was. Uh... Oh, I was. I, yeah,
1: I, do you know what? I've, I genuinely. This. Is like, I keep saying genuinely. If someone says genuinely, you instantly go about to tell you a lie. But um, last week, I started playing them to my uh, children who hadn't seen it up to this point. And they sort of started watching them. I put it onto YouTube and they watched one and they started watching another and another. And of course I'm working around the house and hearing it as it's playing out. And I'm going, like, oh, I can't actually believe I said that to these children. So I'd be quite tough. I'd be like, well, you've got 30 seconds of time, which to be fair is not good. <laughs> straight straight out nice and cold um or i would be saying silly things some like um a water doesn't travel up water what are you do-? Uh, so water doesn't travel uphill what are you doing you know all these sort of comments that would come out or oh my god you're gonna have to be quicker than this do you want to get trapped in you might as well just right you know just constantly saying all these things but I think people kind of liked it. And I think the children on the show kind of liked it because it just meant that, um, you know, they they liked they were being treated like adults and not being sort of patronised, which yeah. I think sometimes with children's game shows back in the day, mm. it was all a bit like, oh, come on, here we go. Go on, you can do it. You know, whereas <laughs> I was very much along the lines of, oh, get on with it. <laughs>
0: Did you kind of like remain in character, like when they weren't filming, or did you kind was the kind of like you know uh, Jungle Guide mode on camera, and then in between takes it was a bit more you know laughy jokey and you know? I no,
1: know. I was pretty good with them actually. I did, mm. I did sort of pop, I popped sort of in and out of character. I mean, let's not be honest. It wasn't like um, I'm not Robert De Niro. It wasn't like the Jungle Guide was so not me at all, and then suddenly I'm popping out. But um, yeah, I would obviously chat to them because I'm with them a long time. And I think the children, as I did when I did The Crystal Maze, were quite sort of shaken by how long it takes. It's a 22-minute show, and it would take five hours to make. you know, and, and I was pretty much the one with the children. They'd have sort of like a um, someone with them, a chaperone, but on the whole, it'll be me stood there with them, going, Hey, how's everybody? Okay, okay, did really well. In- Listen, don't feel too down about that last game, suddenly sort of patching up all the stuff I'd actually said. You know, I'm sort of going, Don't be too down. I'm sure we can turn this around. <laughs> Let's go. Anyway, where's that Haribo? Pass me another bag. Um, so yeah, I, I was definitely popped out of character and just kept them entertained and yeah, kept them happy and sort of kept showing the little bits of uh, what was was. going on but you Mm. sort of wanted to keep the mystique of the show going so it's not like I'd walk them around the back and show them the set and all of that it was very much at least not until they'd finished at the end once they'd completed it I'd give them a little tour but before that we want to sort of keep the mystery of the show going because again like the crystal maze when you walked into that hangar it was absolutely mind-blowing you know for a children's show this took two to three months to build the set it was the best part of a million pounds to make which is why we had to do two series at a time it was, and it was just an incredible experience. Just, I couldn't think of, there wasn't another children's show around, game show that was spending that sort of money or creating this basically this whole jungle environment in one place.
0: Absolutely, it looked amazing, and it looked huge. And I, I want to know actually because you said about the Crystal maze set really all being mm. connected and as is on the program. Was the Jungle Run set really all connected? Was the swamp over there and the, the Angel Falls yeah. over there?
1: And the, yeah, so absolutely, yeah, yeah. oh it was great. Yeah, you could run, you could genuinely run around the whole place from one part to the other. And you could go. So Angel Falls was set up. The swamp was set up in another section. It was just beautiful. And obviously it was, what's hilarious is that there's a switch. You just turn the waterfall on and off, which is brilliant. But um it was, yeah, it was just amazing. And, and when I look back at it now, because I haven't, I, gen, I really have not looked at it for so long. When I see some of the episodes, I forget how good the set was. It just looked amazing. And actually all TV trickery. I mean I always used to get into trouble with the props guys because I'd put my hand through the rocks because the, the rocks were basically just high grade aluminium. It's like big tin foil. That's pretty much what it was. So I'd keep every hand again I'd forget and just put my hand on it and lean on it and put, go through it and they'd be like Michael it's not actually rock. You need to stop leaning on the set. You're going <laughs> to destroy it. So there'd be a lot of that going on. And yeah. um yeah, it was just funny, just funny. It was just a great experience.
0: Good, good, good. Uh, you said it was filmed in a, in
1: a hangar. And um, where was mm. where was the set? Where was the hangar? It was like an old. I've, it was in Nottinghamshire, and it was an old RAF base. That's all I can remember. It was an old RAF base, um, and you go down a main road. If you if you live in Nottingham or Nottinghamshire, you might recognize it. You basically go on this massive main road, and it goes downhill, and then to the left as you're going down it, there are these massive like green hangars. Just on the horizon, if you like. And it was there. I don't know what the name of the base was, but you sort of would have to drive through this derelict army base, you know, like with like houses and offices and brick buildings. And you'd go through a gate and then you'd drive all the way around it. And then it would wind all the way around to so like an old mini airfield that was just a grass airfield. And then this huge hangar. And it was just, it was just brilliant. The whole experience was amazing. So even just arriving there and sort of walking in, it's just so inconspicuous. And then you walk in through the big doors and there's this beautiful set hiding there. It was just, yeah, it, it was amazing. We'd see the children's faces mm. when they first saw it. It just, it was something else.
0: It's funny you saying about as well, about you being serious with them. Because as a viewer, and it's the same watching Crystal Mace, sometimes you'd be watching it going... What are you doing? That's a It's a three-piece jigsaw. Why is it taking you a minute to do a three-piece <laughs> yes. jigsaw? What, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. The time's running out. Get out, for God's sake. They actually, they, they repeated, they, when ci to turned 30, and um, they did show one episode of Jungle Run, it wasn't one of yours, though. They're shown one with Chris Jarvis on. And um, yeah. so by this point, I'm about 18, 19, 20, I can't remember now. I decided to watch it and my mum said, oh, I remember this, because within about five minutes, I was genuinely shouting and swearing at the television in in anger at the performance. And my mum said, oh, yes, remember you doing this when you were watching it as a child? Yes, you haven't changed at all.
1: (laughs) It was very frustrating. It was just as frustrating for me having to watch it on set while I know they're in there doing it and having to shout things like, it's a jigsaw, look for the corners. You know, it's like, (laughs) I'm doing stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was just, I think it did. That's what children loved about it. And I think that's what they all wanted to have a go. You know, children, everybody I've met who loved Jungle Run all said we really wanted to give it a go because they would sit at home screaming at their TVs going, we could do better, we could do this, we could get the golden monkey. And I think, you know, it's just a sign of a good game show, isn't it, where you just, everyone wants to sort of get involved in it and have a go on it.
0: Do you have any favourite moments on the show or a favourite episode that you can remember?
1: Wow. Um, I mean, (laughs) one of my favourite moments is one that never went out on air. Um, But the footage is somewhere because I've seen it, but it's not not public viewing. It's going to be in a cupboard somewhere. But basically, I did um, one of the Dark Swamp games. You would put them in a boat. You put the children in a boat. So I would sort of help them onto the boat and then we'd push them off and then they'd go and do the game. And there was one... (laughs) And again, me being tough jungle guide. So I got them on this boat and gave them with my foot, gave the boat a little kick out. Anyway, it just flipped the whole thing over. And all three children went into the water under the thing. And it was like every panic alert dive the diver came out and got into the water. they were fine but it was just this hilarious moment of me basically trying to kill these three children by kicking them out in a boat accidentally of course oh but it was such a funny outtake i remember the director the producer coming calling me into the gallery and going, you need to watch this it's funnier than you think it is um and it was just a brilliant moment but of course it never made it i don't think it even got they were so worried about how it would look that they never even sent it to like outtake shows but watching it it was, honestly i was crying it was funny because it just made yeah. me look as if i was trying to sabotage this poor team so that's that's <laughs> definitely something that sticks with me but I think you know any of the teams that did incredibly badly I remember I remember one where the three t- three children got locked in and one of the team members was really quite feisty <laughs> about it so I'd be like well, you ran out of time and he was like no I didn't I was like well you're locked in <laughs> so, sort of like that, that sort of moment. But I think any of the ones that got lipped in, and I think I remember having a conversation with one of them through the, through the tummy of the jungle King as it closed and just sort of going, what happened? And it's like, Oh, we didn't get out in time. No, you didn't, did you? <laughs> just that sort of thing. So those moments are fun. And we, we also had celebrities in, we had to, I used to love the celebrity ones. We had the, the Olympic champions in, didn't we? I think we had a show with you yes. and Thomas. Yes. And, um, uh, Mark Foster, I think, was in that. Yeah. And they absolutely. I mean, they've just destroyed the show. It's brilliant! <laughs> yes. Just got nearly every statue and just stormed it. But it was just really nice to see, again, these Olympic athletes actually having the time of their lives, you yeah. know, swinging on ropes and dropping into Angel Falls, because that was the great thing about the show. Whether you're an adult or a child, you still had the time of your life when you were there. It was like going to a theme park and just getting to do the coolest things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just I have all of my memories of that I, are positive. I loved it. It Good. was hard work, it was definitely the hardest work I had to do in my presenting career, but it was the best because it was mm-hmm. just brilliant. Because we were doing two a day. Yeah. We we're doing two shows a day, so it was quite hard work. You know, it was a lot of filming, working with a lot of children, doing a lot of running around, but it was uh, it was brilliant.
0: Yeah, uh, you're going on about the Olympics one. The, the 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 brilliant moment in that episode that I remember is they did so well in the temple that they walked out. They had yes. that much time left that they slowly walked. And there's this great line that you come out with. I'm um, not sure if you remember it, but watch it on YouTube. And you say, they've got time to stop for a coffee here.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> could literally just have a moment. Actually, you know what a funny one was, a memory I do have, is with Leah. Yes There's a great Leah did, did yes. an episode Yeah And she was freaking out About getting her hair wet Yeah <laughs> I remember that <laughs> But I cannot get my hair wet And then when she was in the water she's she's screaming I mean she was always known for screaming She's brilliant But uh, she was hilarious on that show Yeah I could watch that episode Again and again and again we, she was just... we
0: spoke about that When she was on um, It was the CITV presenter special And I said well, I'm going to be honest You were all frankly terrible <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what can you do? We, can, we can't do much. We can only talk. That's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was quite a few celebrity ones. There was the Cory one, and I remember there was a Christmas one as well with a boy band on, and the, the, the jungle oh. set was covered in tinsel. That was an unusual yeah. one because I seem to remember they did a music performance in the middle of the show, which was just was weird. strange. It was, but
1: there we it are. Was weird. I couldn't even remember what they were, that what band they were. But Triple, eight. Awesome. Triple Eight. Triple Eight. Goodness me, good memory, good good knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I do have a good memory. <laughs> it, um... Oh, actually, do you know oh. what? I'm saying there was a funny moment. There was a funny moment when one team got the golden monkey statue but couldn't get it out of, the, it got wedged. Oh, yes. It got wedged in the belly of the temple king as I'm trying to get it out. <laughs> And the time was ticking down, and for a moment in my brain, at the time, I was thinking, if the time runs out and they've wedged the belly open with this, how do we play? That? Is that just the well done? You've managed to save yourself getting locked in, or do I just let them get locked in and pull the thing out? It was just a just remember for that split second. Thankfully, it just came out with like three seconds to go. But was uh, that was quite weird. a fun, that was quite a hairy moment for those contestants.
0: There was some really close moments, wasn't there? Where where they get the the golden monkey, but they've only got that twenty seconds and twenty seconds is a long time but it looked like the distance to run from the from the end room to the exit it was quite close it was um it was quite so i remember when don wood did it they only had yeah. 10 seconds to do it but it seemed a lot smaller so it wasn't so bad whereas it seemed to have been extended when uh, when chris come in and yourself and yeah 20 seconds to leg it with and it looked Fairly heavy or fairly clunky to carry that golden monkey
1: as well. Yeah, it was. It was quite tricky to carry, to be fair, especially when you're like nine years old and you've got this. Thing. It wasn't particularly heavy, but it was just awkward. You yeah, know what I mean, it was very awkward. awkward. That
0: I, was the problem. I seem to remember, like, because um, I, I don't know whether it was when you were doing it, but certainly with Chris, when they did the prizes. They'd have, like, these bases on the bottom where he'd lift them off and the prizes would be inside. Obviously, you know, they've been placed in there afterwards because if they've been inside the whole time, they'd probably be broken from being <laughs> no, thrown out. Um, but yeah. I, I think when you did it, they, they stopped doing that and it was just, like, p- shots of the prizes, like, in with, like, the jungle
1: around it or something like that, I seem to remember. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I'm trying to think with... I'm trying... Did we pick them out? Yeah, I think we did. We didn't, yeah, I didn't reveal them that way. You're right. We had them out yeah. on the top and then I think we did a swap out and then just showed the prizes for that.
0: Yeah, and it would always be, and then they'd have them all around. Uh, they'd all have all the prizes around at the end. Um, yes. you would say That's something like... Right. A, oh, and that
1: ridiculous... Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> one thing I did feel was a bit, at the time I felt was really shonky mm. and now watching it back, I'm like, is it is it fine? I think it's fine. But at the time I really was cringing. But it was the idea, so our producer came up with this idea of... Uh, saying goodbye in different languages. It became quite a thing. So at (laughs) the end of every single show, I would go, or as they say in the jungles of la, 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 la. And then just this thing, which were genuine phrases, because he was brilliant. He was so, he was very eccentric, but he was a brilliant man and he knew his TV so well. Um, And so he would come up to me and he came up with this idea and I was like, um right are you sure this is going to be okay and I'm not going to look like an idiot like, it'll be fine just say it convincingly and it'll be great and it'll become a thing and so it did just become this <laughs> goodbye thing where I'd have to do it in a foreign language every time very odd I didn't know what I was saying he could have given me anything to say so hopefully it is all genuine and fine I couldn't tell you to this day <laughs> if what I was just taught talk- like um like Anchorman like Ron Burgundy I was just saying what was there <laughs> simple as that yes yes i do remember that children always ask my children said this they said how are you able to have live crocodiles and parrots <laughs> yeah. and snakes in the jungle because there are cutaways yes and another here's another ruin a cover your ears if you're a jungle run aficionado mm. and you don't want it ruined the magic but um we would have a special day so before we filmed we would have one special day at the beginning of the series where we would get the animals in so we would have these. We'd have a like a team of children that weren't on the show. They were like stunt children. I think they might have been crew members' children that we would dress up. Then I would be there in my outfit, and then they would just set up a shot where they'd stick a crocodile in a puddle, and then we would have to run in the background. Past the crocodile, while it was a close-up of the crocodile with us, sort of with our legs going past in the background, and then they would just cleverly drop those shots in throughout every single episode. So you might have a parrot or a snake. So they, those animals were genuinely on set, but just for a very special animals filming day, and then they just edit all that into the show.
0: Cool. I like stuff like that. I like finding out things that I didn't know. I mean, I was one thing I, I've noticed is just that, like how some of the games were even done. Like the one that I always loved. Um, was the 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 big pyramid where they went through a hole in the top, and then there was this <laughs> underground maze, and you're yes. all on the top, and you've got to press like stones to open the doors, and and there was this like wide shot of the tu- of the of the tunnel maze, and I'm thinking. Like, where is all that housed? Where's the space for it? Is it really all under? Is, is that pyramid really Do you know what I mean? Like, is it all really yeah, yeah, yeah. all there and together? You know?
1: And it was. It was. What you saw was what was there. It genuinely is absolutely built. It was absolutely built like you saw it with the levels and the layers and you could work your way down. And yes, there was a, a bit where a piece of it was off so that you could film, but actually they were going down to a place and going through tunnels. So yeah, it was no no sort of extra camera trickery there mm. with that one. What you saw was what you got.
0: And the same with the temple, really, because that was huge as well, and very long with the the, the sections as you went through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, that all ran down one side of the, of the hangar. So yeah, all set out as it was. It's really, it's quite special. I mean, Angel Falls was particularly special because it was quite deep. And we mm. would have um, we'd have a diver. So there'd be a diver in the bottom of it. That we, we sometimes had to keep doing some reshoots because he kept creeping into shot. Mm. It just looked a bit weird, like there was a shark or something in the pool. But um, yeah, there'd be a safety diver there just in case any of the children got into any trouble. Um, but it was just a beautifully crystal. It was just in, it just felt like it was a genuine place yeah. when you were there. But obviously, just it was basically a big swimming pool with a waterfall in it. But it was just so well made, so beautifully made. I mean, it was just—it was brilliant. The money was all on screen with
0: that show. Absolutely. I always wondered as well, uh, and whether you want to give away this secret or not, I don't know. But I always wondered well, who on earth were the two people in in the Sid and Elvis costumes. I, I asked uh, a contestant a while back who was on the Dom Wood version, and they couldn't. They just said, "Oh, it was two. It was two females." Um, but uh, they, they couldn't remember who they were or anything like that. No,
1: it's know? not two. Fe- well, it might have been on Dom's one, but yeah. it definitely wasn't on my my four episodes. And I don't think on Chris's. It wasn't. It's two guys. I'm not going to. I won't. They. First of all, they were fantastic performers. Mm -hmm. So the 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 two of them were actors, but also specialised in what we'd call skin work. I guess is what you would call it. Um, But they were just brilliant brilliantly funny they came up with all of those bits themselves so everything you saw when they're doing all their silly little things they pretty much came up on the spot it would be like so the, the director would come out and go right um we we'll need about 30 seconds from you guys uh do something funny with a coconut and a stick off <laughs> you go yeah. and they would just come up with these little routines Um, And so they were great fun to work with. I absolutely loved it. And they made it fun as well, because obviously it would just be me knocking around the set on my own. But to have those boys there, they were just great fun. And just made it and it also came to a thing where they were lobbing coconuts and it became quite personal. Yeah. And so every now and again they'd sneak a coconut over to me because they were like these foam coconuts. But when they were filled with they, for some reason they were foam coconuts that somehow absorbed the water. Yeah. So they were light, but as soon as they soaked up the water in Angel Falls and then got sent back, they were pretty heavy. So if you got smacked in the face by them. Okay. So they had a lot of fun with that. They're both lobbing them at the children and lobbing them at me. But um no, those guys are amazing.
0: Fair enough. Well, thank you for answering that. And I guess the, I guess they'll remain enshrined in mystery forever, but that's fair enough. Yeah. Let's not spoil the, the magic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh,
1: did you attempt any of the games yourself when they weren't filming? Oh, yeah, I think I had to go all of them. I think I had to go pretty much all of them, even the, the water games. I thought um, I really loved the games that had sort of fire or had that sort of feeling of danger. Yes. I absolutely love those games. So we had one that was where things were literally on fire and there was like petrol canisters, or the appearance of petrol canisters. And you had to sort of get something over them without dropping the canisters in the fire as they'd explode. You know, I loved all those sorts of games and it got a little it felt a little bit more dangerous. I think those later series with some of the games. So, yeah, I had to get all of them. They're great fun.
0: Yeah, I remember one, and I quite liked. It. I think it was only in the very last series where it was a mine shaft, and when you went inside, it's, it lit a fuse on a, on a stick of dynamite, and it, there was this shot of like this long fuse burning, and it had to get out before it, it blew up, and uh, yeah. you know caused like a rock fall to block up the exit. I thought that was quite cool. I know it wasn't real, but it was it was still quite cool. There was this nice sense
1: yeah, of danger it's, to it's it. Exactly, just make it feel a bit more dangerous, and I think the children really they appreciate it because you know children like to be scared within reason. I think and. And sort of giving them that bit of fear just made it feel more real.
0: Yeah. And there was music as well, which like really added this sense of danger, like tension music. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. Really good show. And um, I hope that because um, Britbox, the streaming service, have put one episode on from the Don Woods series. And I think they're putting a couple more on soon. But I hope that eventually they put on all of them, including yours and Chris's and and so that they're there for people to stream and maybe even yeah. somewhere like Challenge could show them. That would be cool.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that they never did that with them. I really am. I don't know why. It feels like ITV, it's a no-brainer for ITV to put them out there. Because I think people would love to see them sort of in their sort of proper versions and sort of going out. I never know. Maybe we could start a campaign and get it, <laughs> get it started.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you shared on Twitter recently, um, you've still got some souvenirs from the show.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So but uh, we didn't know it was the final series at the time, but uh, for my series, so series eight, it would have been um, the props guys just gave me a silver monkey statue and they just cut, they basically bespokely painted, added extra paint to it and just made it look really cool. So I thought it was quite exciting. But then somebody on Twitter went, why didn't they give you a ruby one? I went, that's a fair point. Why didn't they give me a ruby one? <laughs> why have I just got mocked up? So? But it's great. And I've kept it all these years and I've still got the monkey. The interesting thing about the Jungle Run monkeys were that you could buy those monkeys anywhere. The only thing that was bespoke was the T-shirt. So it had a Jungle Run T-shirt. It wears a Jungle Run T-shirt. And that was what made it bespoke. But otherwise, you could pretty much go to any normal toy shop and buy the monkey itself. Mm -hmm. But um, Yeah, so I've got one of those as well. I've got the original monkey too. Oh, did you know? Here's a fact for you. Mm. Do you know who it is that plays the boy in the opening titles? That's a good question, actually. I, I have wondered, I have wondered... Go is on. Chris Fountain? He's in Hollyoaks. Mm. He came second in Dancing on Ice. You know, if you Google him, you will know him. He was quite a big, a big name. It still is. He still acts quite a bit, but. Um Yeah, if you Google him, you will spot him.
0: Well, thank you for that. I didn't even think to ask that question. Do
1: you know what didn't date very well with Jungle Run? The prizes. (laughs) Yes. They haven't dated, but Mini Disc Player was one of the top prizes. (laughs) Yes, yes. That didn't date very well, did it? (laughs) No. um... The Game Boy Boy Advance. Mm. If that isn't showing our age, when a Game Boy Advance was the handheld games console that everyone wanted, wowzers.
0: Yeah, I I remember really wanting one, and I got one quite late actually. I remember like everybody had the advance, and I still had a Game Boy Color for ages, and then eventually I did get an advance, and I think by that point everybody was getting the DS, so I couldn't win. <laughs> like, oh. Oh. Um, yeah, no, it's funny because I I have watched episodes on YouTube and that, and uh, you read the comments, and it's always about how terrible the prizes look now and. Um, how terrible the performances were and how the depending on which presenter it is and how they're so harsh on the
1: contestants. <laughs> oh and, I see what uh, you're I see what you're doing here Jack. I see what you're doing. Listen, <laughs> I, I think it's legendary. My my meanness is quite legendary on that show now, surely. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> um and yeah I just I just think everybody just remembers it so well. Um it's it's something that there are certain programmes that everybody of a certain generation remembers fondly, so children of the 90s would remember Funhouse really well and children of the 80s would probably talk about Nightmare or something like that. But for the yeah. naughtiest kids, it's Jungle Run, it has to be. That's the, show that, that's the game show that everybody talks about and goes, oh, do you know what, I'd love to have been on that and, yeah... So you- yeah,
1: it was great fun. It was like it was it was the highest-rating game show of its time, and on ITV, it was always the second highest, just behind mm. My Parents Are Aliens. So My Parents Are Aliens would always be the the ratings winner for CITV. Mm. Um, but as a game show, yeah, A Jungle Room just did it did the business, and I think it was just children could come home when it, the time it was on it seemed to be the perfect time for children to get home from school. And then get it on. Do you know what I mean? It just seemed like the perfect moment for them. So it was. It was very much that I've done. I've done with school. I'm now going to sit down and I'm going to lose myself in the jungle for 20 minutes. And I think that's what's what sort of reminded people so much of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, what was the what was the monkey statues made out of? Just out of curiosity.
1: It's like a. Um, it's quite solid. It's like a mm. um, not like plaster of Paris. It's more like a composite, like a plastic composite. So it's quite solid. Yeah. Cause they
0: did float. Because remember the game where you had to pour water into very narrow tubes and it'd float up to uh, to get them out or something like that. I remember that. Oh, that's
1: true. Although sometimes they'd have. I think some of them are dummy. There's certain mm. vers- different versions of them. I th- I'm pretty sure. I don't think they were necessarily. The, cause I can't remember whether those ones float, but they might have had a section. You know, certain ones that did. So yeah. They used them. In yeah. The- like yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, these memories that you've been sharing and stories have just been absolutely fantastic.
1: We just love, it's lovely talking about those times. I remember when I was started off at CBBC, my producer said, you know, it will never be like this again television. It won't be this sort of family feel where you're in every day, you're doing so much live TV. And she was absolutely right, it never was and never has been like that um because it just can't be unfortunately and especially nowadays where those opportunities have gone I mean there's just not there's not the live t- tv opportunities there once was you know this morning maybe loose women the, the children's tv live it's not that much anymore and it's such a shame because back then we were doing thousands of hours of it and uh, it was just brilliant it's, you know I I can look back with very fond memories there's no doubt it was a brilliant time we were very lucky I was very lucky to be to be a part of that
0: Great. And then so so off the back of when like you kind of stopped doing the, the children's television, um, what did you get up to? I know you did pre- present some grown up telly and um, I know that um, you are currently a teacher as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it's difficult So Jungle Run was so I finished on Ministry of Mayhem and I was doing Jungle Run. And then when I, I remember getting the phone call on set of Jungle Run to say that I'd landed the GMTV job. So I'd landed entertainment presenter for um, Entertainment Tonight or Entertainment Today, as it was for GMTV, which was the Friday morning show they did instead of Lorraine. So Lorraine wasn't on; it'd be this entertainment movie show that Ben Shepard and Jenny Faulkner presented. And um, so I remember getting that news, and that was my first sort of step into grown-up television. Really, that was my first step away. And it was still within ITV, and it meant I could get out of children's, which was perfect time because obviously I'd already done Saturday morning. So it was about where am I going to go from here? I either have to commit to a life in children's TV, which didn't seem like it was going to be the right thing, or take this opportunity. And so it's also stemmed from there. And then I stayed at GMTV for three years and then went out and then just did jobs all over the shop to just bits, different bits of TV sort of you became, became sort of mercenary where you just went where the jobs were so you just went and just applied for different jobs different stations, different things and um yeah and I did that for about that was probably the next 10 years really was doing that was either doing bits and occasionally covering on GMTV so I occasionally dip back into that but there's a lot a bit of ITV daytime stuff bit of BBC daytime stuff bits for this morning and it just sort of became a bit like that really just sort of became a jobbing presenter and then ended up in teaching. But I say that as if it was a matter of fact, it sort of just came about really about three years ago where my career was sort of quietening down, um, which happens. And, you know, Angelica and I have always known this in our careers that that happens. I remember when Angelica's career was quiet and then mine was doing really well and it always comes in these peaks and troughs. Um, but it came to a point now where obviously we had two children and my career was quieting down. Angelica's career was thriving. And I had a choice, do I just sit at home and um, you know once the children started school I had to think about do I sit at home waiting for the phone to ring or do I try and be a bit more proactive and that's why I thought well hang on a minute I've got this I've got 20 years experience in broadcasting I've got a teaching degree so maybe I should approach schools and talk about you know maybe I could work for them and help with their children's confidence or work with presentation skills or you know think about how I can use my skill set to work with children and it sort of started from that and that was about just over three years ago. And now I'm still at that same school, a form teacher now, working Monday to Wednesday, and absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. It's brilliant fun. And it's something very different, but uh, it works perfectly for me. And it means I can still go do so. So I'm still working, doing my Virgin Radio show at the weekends. And as and when bits of TV crop up, if it fits in between my teaching, then I do it. And the opportunities are still there every now and again. So it's, uh, yeah, it's worked out well. I think for my own mental health, it's worked out well, because TV gets to a point where you start sort of, I definitely got to a stage where I was watching television thinking, why am I not doing that show? Why is that person doing that show? Why haven't I, you know, and it was not healthy at all. And I think you need to sort of take control. And that's what I did really. I took control of my career, control of my life and decided I want to make decisions about what I'm doing next. And that's what I did. And I've been a lot happier from then on in with, uh, you know, stepping away from television, Maybe it's temporary, maybe it's not, but I feel right now I'm in a good place.
0: Good. Well, you shall see. Hopefully maybe one day you'll make a return, but if you don't want to, then Jungle that's fair run enough. Jungle Run, if you bring that back. Bring it back. Uh, it'd be interesting if they did like, um, a th- you've heard about the Crystal Maze live experience. That they've yes, got. yes, of course, yeah. Imagine if they did one with Jungle Run. I don't know how they'd work it, but you know that'd be
1: quite interesting. It does lend itself, um, Crystal Maze, more to that. The problem with Jungle Run, of course, is because with the Angel Falls and the, st- the Swamp, It's quite, a lot in there. It's like a huge, where everything was, it's quite easily contained the Crystal Maze games, weren't they? It was quite simple. You just go into a room and it's pretty much where it was. I think Jungle Run just became, it's quite a thing. It's quite, but that's not to say it can't be done. My gosh. You know, I think you could absolutely bring it back. It'd be amazing. And I think people would love it. I think adults, there'll be people now in their like 20s and 30s who wish they could have gone on it back then that will want to go on it right now. So I bet there's, I bet there'd be interest.
0: Yeah, just uh, just don't involve any alcohol beforehand or anything like that. That'd be a disaster. Probably best not. <laughs> what, what, what's it like um, teaching at a school with children who have absolutely no idea of your career in kids' telly, but their parents will obviously know you and recognise you?
1: Yeah, and more strangely for me, other teachers... So, you know, I'm of a certain age now, but I'm going in and I'm working with teachers who are in their mid 20s who were watching Jungle Run when they were children. And now they're teaching children. and Now they're seeing me coming in and teach, so it's very bizarre for them. They find it really odd. But of course, thanks to the power of YouTube, it doesn't take it hasn't taken the children long to track me down. And um, yeah, they're often talking about it and uh, or asking to watch an episode in the lesson and stuff like that. So I'm like, no, I'm afraid we're focusing on the English today. But um, yeah, they they think it's brilliant. I mean, they love it they love it they think it's great fun they can't quite believe it and actually I think it's quite some of the children look at that and they think it's quite calm they're a bit like oh is that what it was like back then but yeah they really enjoy it actually they really enjoy it and they love because I've always been quite energetic and I think they quite like the fact that I'm quite very enthusiastic and engaging and it's um yeah no they really enjoy it I think yeah Absolutely. And
0: I think with Jungle Run, actually, apart from the prizes, I don't think it looks that dated, to be honest. It
1: still looks like
0: it could have been made,
1: you know, last year, perhaps. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It is true. I mean, compared to something like Eliminator probably hasn't dated well with time. But yeah, I think Jungle Run, I think you're absolutely right. Because it was so well made and the sets were so well built, it could well be, it could have been shot, you know, not, not that long ago. It's quite... And that's why it's frustrating. It'd be a shame to I really would love to see an episode broadcast properly so that we could see it in all its glory. Because obviously YouTube, you don't get to see it as in the quality, do you? It's not quite as, as crisp as you'd want. It'd be great to sort of see an episode in in its um in its H D glory.
0: Absolutely. Well if CI don't do it, then challenge should. They have shown stuff like Funhouse, so why not Jungle Run? Um so if anybody wants to find out what you're up to, um you're on Twitter, aren't you?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, at Mikey Underwood on Twitter or on Instagram, um, at Michael Underwood Teach.
0: Fantastic, and Michael, it's been an absolute joy chatting with you today. Thank you for sharing your memories
1: not a problem jack it's been great it's been a long time coming so uh no i've really enjoyed reminiscing thanks so much thank you to
0: michael for sharing his memories there i really enjoyed that chat and also thank you goes to leah charles king as well for helping make this chat possible and thank you for listening the next podcast will be out next month so look out for that and until then i'll see you soon